All right, we'll turn there to Romans chapter 12. And let me just say this, and I'm not just saying it because I'm the guest speaker and you're supposed to say nice things when you show up. Um, I would come back to your church already. I would come back. I mean, I, it would, I, I saw the fellowship and the greeting and, and a heart to worship the Lord and to interact and see the activities. So I would come back. So let me tell you this. Um, your friends would come back too. Your family would come back as well. So invite these people out and don't be afraid to say, God is doing a great thing at our, our, our fellowship, at our church. And here is the, here's the thing. You can't create this. How many of you have been into a church, and you don't, don't tell me the name, okay? But how many of you have been into a church where you're like, it's just, everything is there, but nothing is there? Have you ever been in a church like that? That's not happening here. You can sense uh, the love and the joy and the presence of the Lord here. And I, I assure you, people want to come to this. We're looking to come to a, a church like this. So have that extra confidence just to, to, to brag on the Lord and say, God is doing a great thing. And in our midst, you ought to come and see what God is doing. You're going to love it. So just a little encouragement there. And, and that, that also kind of is a good introduction because I'm going to be talking and giving a, a, an exhortation to you from the Word of God to engage in fellowship, which um, is, I would say, just for my, my few minutes here, is continue to engage in fellowship, continue to be a part of these home fellowships, continue to love on each other and to greet each other. So not coming in, um, you know, Tim hasn't said, hey, they're really bad at fellowship here. Can you teach a message on fellowship? That didn't happen, um, but it is what is on my heart. So let's read this passage together. Chapter 12, and we'll pick up at verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing, verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. And we're going to, well, we're going to cover, well, we're probably not going to get into verse 12 much. But we're going to look at these other verses, and the title of the study is Conduct Among the Family of God. And we are the family of God. But why a study on fellowship? Well, first of all, fellowship is a, a, a piece that was central and core to what the early church was all about. I know you're familiar with Acts chapter 2, right, verses 42 on through 47. And when you look there, it says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and what? Fellowship. This is something they continued in. And the word continued, you could, you could translate it as they gave intense effort to. They gave unremitting care to the apostles' doctrine and to fellowship. In other words, this was right on the bullseye of what they were doing as a church. This occupied their energies. This occupied their attention. And I believe, like I know you do as well, that, that those opening verses become a great template for the way we should look. We should be able to take that passage and, and lay it over our lives and our experience as brothers and sisters in Christ and say, are we giving unremitting care to the Word of God, the Apostles' Doctrine? Are we giving unremitting care, steadfastly uh, looking to fellowship with each other? 
And the answer is, well, you'll have to determine that for yourself, won't you? But we'll allow the Word of God to kind of zero in on our own life and our own experience and see where we fit in this, this piece. And it's, it's important for us to have an understanding about fellowship. Have you noticed that although we have more ways to communicate with each other quicker, faster, around the world? We were missionaries in Australia um, for a few years. And internet did not exist back then. I, I, I can't imagine what it would have been like to have had the opportunity to Skype or FaceTime or send an email. Actually, we were dating when I went over there. And um, we, we just did... We wrote letters. Can you imagine such archaic things? <laughs> she still has them. She has the ones I sent her. She, I, I, you know, I'm a guy. I didn't keep them, but she kept the letters I sent her. And so, um, but, but although we have all these advantages, we have 101 ways to communicate with each other um, at any time, at any place. But does, and, and if you do, don't raise your hand because I'm going to say we don't. But does anybody actually think we are better off in our relationships? Have they become deeper and more significant? They haven't, have they? And it's almost like it stunted us in the whole get along with each other and be involved in each other's life. I think it's, a, um, it's, it's you know, Rebecca was saying, it's kind of like faux relationship. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not against social media. That's not my point here. I'm just saying as a product of it, I don't think we have gotten deeper. I think we have satisfied enough the drive to interact with each other to not press on to interact with each other. And that's one of the dangers. There's a lot of benefits to it, but that is one of the dangers. And so let me just serve this as a, a loving reminder to all of us that that doesn't count for what is really needed in each other's life. And when people come in contact with another group that really love each other and really fellowship with each other, they will immediately identify, this is different. This is unique. This is what I need in my life. And so um, hit a home run on it. Hit a home run on fellowship. But let's just define to begin with, and I, I will make it to uh, verse 10 in just a moment, but let's define. Uh, the Greek word, does anybody know what the Greek word for fellowship is? Koinonia, Koinonia that's right. Koinonia. And, and this was not a, a, a Christian term. This was a term that was used anywhere in the, in, in the ancient world. You could, it, it simply at its most basic meaning, it means to share or have in common. What are the things you can share or have in common? Well, you could have a business. You could share a business together, couldn't you? You could, you could share a meal together. You could share many things together, and that's what this word means. It means to share together. But it means that there's something common between you. And so if you're business partners, you bring something in, you put your money in, your time in, they put their money and their time in, and together you share and you have koinonia. You, ha you share this business together. So first and foremost, this word was just a word that was used anywhere in culture. But Scripture takes it, the writers take this word, and they infuse it with spiritual significance. And so Still at the core of it, it means to share together or have in common. And here's what it is. What we share together is Jesus Christ. I have a relationship with Jesus. He has forgiven me of my sins. He has cleansed me. 
He's brought me into the kingdom. I'm able to fellowship with him and commune with him. And and you as well. You have been saved. You've been redeemed. You've been pulled out of darkness into the light. And you fellowship with the Lord. You have your quiet time. You have your service and your ministry and your worship. And when we come together, we share Jesus together. There's There's something in common. And it's not sufficient to just sit in the room and share it without actually sharing it. In one sense, we already share it, even if we don't know each other, because we're part of the body of Christ. That's who we are. But there should be the, the, the living it out. There should be the experience side of what we share together. 1 John 1.3 says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. So we've had an experience, and we are telling you about that experience so that we might have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. Did you catch that? We have fellowship with the Father and Son. We've experienced Him, and we want you to experience Him so we can experience Him together, and it's called fellowship. Sometimes, not you, it's probably some other church, but sometimes, you know, what we will call fellowship is really nothing more than socializing. Socializing has its place. Socializing is not a sinful thing to do. But if socializing is all we do, then we miss the higher mark that we've been called to as the called out ones of the body of Christ, and that is to fellowship. So yeah, have fun talking about you know the hunting, the fishing, the sports, the quilting, whatever, your children, your grandchildren. All of that is, is fair game to communicate and talk about. Not sinful, all right? But if that's all we ever do, then we miss this higher calling to share what's going on in our lives. This, this idea of fellowship struck me so clearly one day when I was... Uh, anybody from Orange County besides me? Orange County? No? Okay. So there's a, there's a, a community college there called Orange Coast College. Not surprising, right? And of course, we called it Tangerine Tech. Um, and I remember walking across the campus uh, on this school... And uh, this one friend of ours, Laura Short, came up to me and she said, she goes, oh, Troy, she goes, I'm so glad I ran into you. This morning has been terrible. I woke up late. I didn't have a quiet time. Tell me what you read this morning. Right? What, what did Jesus show you this morning? And, if, and, and praise the Lord. I had had that time with the Lord that morning. I'm like, actually, where I was was right here. And I Lord showed me, and she goes, great, I've got to get to class. I needed that and just kind of walked on. That's, a, that's, that's an, an example of sharing. It comes in many different forms. But we pray together. We serve together. We talk about Jesus together. We, we share what God is talking about. Just so you know, it's okay to talk about the Bible study after the Bible study. It's okay to pray for each other before prayer. It's okay to give a hug before it's to, we're told to greet each other. But fellowship is sharing what we have in common with Jesus. Now listen, if you're here today and you've never put your faith or trust in Jesus Christ, then, then we, we would love to tell you how to do that. How you can become connected with God and have fellowship a sharing together with Him. How you can hear Him speak to you. Not about hearing voices, okay? But he can speak to you. He can minister to you his truth through his word and, and through his spirit. And, and you will just be amazed at what it's like to walk with God and then to share with others that same experience. So that's what fellowship is. It's not simply socializing. It's not simply hanging out together, which I have no problem with. But we got to go beyond that point. 
We've got to take it beyond that point. So in verse 10, um, we're going to look at a few points here of how we walk in fellowship. And you know what, Tim? I didn't even notice what time I started teaching. So what time am I supposed to stop? It's 10 11.20 right now. I started at 11? All right. So there you go. 25 minutes. Listen fast. If I go over, it's because you didn't listen fast, not because I went, okay? I just, I want that to be out there right now. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. And I'll tell you where I'm going. I want to just kind of break down a lot of these words here in this passage because when you see kind of... Uh, maybe a different angle of these words, you're going to catch how intense this, pas- this passage is in fellowship. So be kindly affectionate. Kindly affectionate, um, great word. It's, it's, it's one word in the Greek language, and it's made up of two words, which one would be uh, uh, philo, which would be like friend. Philadelphia, right? The city of brotherly love. It's, it's, it's this like philo, so it's friend or beloved, and the other part of this word is storge, which is a, you've heard of agape, right? Well, storge is another word for love, which is, is talking about family love. So this word here is made up of these two, and it simply means to have family love with one another, with your friends. It's to have a family love. And of course, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 tells us that as we have opportunity to do good, do it to everyone but especially to the household of faith. Be good and kind to everybody, but especially do this when you go to church, when you run into your brothers and sisters out in the community. Be kindly affectionate. This is so different than a, a cold, callous, you know, you know, greeting brother, greeting sister, and there's no kind of interaction. Does that happen at your house? When family gets together... And I realize there can be some tough family situations, but, but in the, the way the family is meant to function, it is a warm, loving environment, and everybody's just kind of themselves, and you just love each other. And so we are to be kindly affectionate, and that relationship of family has begun in Christ Jesus. So we are brothers and sisters in Christ, each and every one of us, and we are to be kindly affection. We are to show that kind of family love. You know what people often say when they come to the Lord, they get saved, they come back, they said they just felt like they were coming home. Some of you probably had that experience. It's like, I just, when I got saved, I felt like I was home. Well, you are home. You're home in a very real deep spiritual sense because you're sensing what the Spirit of God has done. So the, the exhortation is be kindly affectionate to one another. A, warm, a loving, warmly devoted interaction. There's to be a warmness, a, 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 a tenderness about the way in which the body of Christ interacts. Still there in verse 10, it says, in honor, giving preference to one another. Giving preference. I, this, I like this because... This is actually a very difficult passage for translators. And when you read, they all say this is a very difficult passage to translate. Well, some ancient translations, like, so it was written in Greek, it was translated into um, Syrian, it was translated into Latin. Some of those translations actually translated this, try to outdo one another with respect. A little competition, it sounds like, huh? 
But it's, it's a godly spiritual. Competition in the raw form, in the carnal uh, aspect, is I'm going to outdo you so I can win. But this challenge to outdo each other is to outdo each other in love so that person wins. And if you think about it in those terms, this is the way we are to fellowship, with warm, loving uh, interaction. But we are to give honor, we're to give preference, to esteem others as more highly than yourself. It's that idea. The Philippians 2 idea. But we don't just look out for ourselves, we look out for the interest of others. So far from the mentality that can often grip us in church is somebody else will get that. Somebody else, I'm sure somebody else will take care of it. Well, we already have, we already have ushers and greeters. I don't have to do that. Wrong. We all need to be doing this. We all need to be trying to outdo one another in a spirit of love to prefer one another. It's an interesting way to look at it, isn't it? And, and as you measure yourself with uh, those that are loving and that do kind of display that warm family affection, how are you doing? <laughs> you say, well, you see, that's not my spiritual gift. I'm really not a people kind of a person. When you got saved, you became a people person. Uh, I realized some are just, they're warm, they're bubbly. My wife, she's like this. Um, she has never met a stranger. We can be somewhere, and I'll, I'll come up, and she'll be standing in line, and the person will be crying, and she'll be talking to them and praying with them because they're going through a divorce, and you know, their kids are sick and everything. And, and I'm like, I go, who was that? She goes, I don't know. I don't know. They just started talking to you. Nobody ever does that with me. And I I need to work on that. I really am a nice guy, but I just, I don't, sometimes I guess I don't portray, hey, nice guy. But some of you just portray that, right? You just kind of ooze, come to me, talk to me. I will love you. It's okay for you to share all your secrets. Some of you are just gifted like that. But whether you are, you know, a Rebecca or a Troy, the exhortation stands. We need to outdo one another in love. We need to outdo one another in showing preference that somebody would walk through the doors or somebody would have a need and we would just be right there. Boom. We're going to honor you. We're going to meet that need even more than I would concern myself with my own need. There is a sense of ownership that each of us should have when we think about each other. I have a God-given responsibility to own your needs. And my job from Scripture, commanded, gifted or not gifted, is not the issue here. It's just, it is what is common among all believers, is my job is to love that person, is to love them in that point of need. So, in a very godly spiritual sense, um, we can think of this idea of in honor giving preference to one another. We could think of it as, I need to outdo you and you and you in showing respect and esteem to those who come in. Well, I'll respect them when they earn it. None. That is not the way it works in the kingdom of God. You respect them because Christ died for them. What more? I mean, if that, if that doesn't do it for you, that Jesus died on the cross and hung naked, and he was brutally beaten for that person. If that does not raise that person's needs high enough up on your scale, nothing ever will. 
And if you do that because they show you respect, then Jesus would say to you, well, you're really no different than the heathens because they love each other. But you don't do that. You love your enemies. Love your enemies. Love those that don't want to show you respect. And so this is the exhortation, is that we are to give preference. We are to outdo one another. And then in verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So the word lagging here would mean to become idle or lazy. Um, you, it, one translator said, don't let your zeal flag. Don't let your zeal kind of begin to wane. But, but So the word is lagging. He says, now don't lag. Don't be indolent. Uh, uh, indolent. Don't be lazy. Don't be um, uh, idle. And don't let your zeal flag. Uh, the idea is that your, your zeal would flag because of something that is bothersome or troublesome to you. Because it's a, it's a, it's a drain on you, you're not going to be diligent. You're not going to uh, pay attention. And the idea of diligence here um, is, of course, it's just it's with haste and speed to be eager and it's, it's an idea of action, right? You are, you're, you're not going to be lazy, but you're going to be diligent. There's going to be a swiftness in your movement or your action to get the job accomplished. Diligence. Some of you owners of, of, uh, and managers of businesses, you know that's what you want with your employees, right? You want somebody that's going to be diligent with swiftness and eagerness. They're going to approach that task and they're going to take care of it. A, a coach wants the team to do that. A, a, you know, a band uh, instructor, he wants them to be eager and zealous in that work and not to be reluctant because something is troubling them or bothering them. And so this, again, is the idea that's being communicated. And so it's like it's just one word building upon another of the energy and the activity and the zeal and the passion. It's just he's stacking one word upon another to bring us to the conclusion. We're like, all right, let's go do it. So there we are, verse 11, not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit. The word fervent, it could be, in, be uh, enthusiastic. Be enthusiastic about meeting the needs and giving honor and preference and showing that kind affection without warm love. Be enthusiastic. Don't lag. Be diligent and, and be enthusiastic or be on fire or to have uh, vigorous intentionality. It's the idea that you are moving into it. You're not sitting back waiting for the right moment. You're active. You're engaged in it. You're trying to outdo one another in this. And that is the word that is being used here. An enthusiasm about loving each other. An enthusiasm about helping one another along in your walk with the Lord. Now listen. If you walked into a room and people were enthusiastic about loving you and preferring you, and they didn't lag in diligence, they were on their game, they were quick to do it, and they weren't troubled and they weren't annoyed by the things that may challenge them to do that task, would you, would you be one? Would you say, hey, this is a great place to be? 
And this is what Jesus said. The world is going to know you're my disciples because of your your love. And, And that's what we're talking about here. It's kind of the, what are we fellowshipping around? Well, we are fellowshipping around love. We are sharing this love with one another. And there are many ways in which we can be fervent in, um, in ministering and serving one another. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. In any trespass. Well, I'll love and I'll help somebody along in their walk with the Lord as long as it's not that sin. Because if it's that sin, I'm out. I'm gone. I'm not going to do that. No, that's not what it says. It says that we are to help a brother or sister in any trespass. And to love them and to bring them along. And to say, brother or sister, I, yeah, that, that was not a good move. But you know what? There is forgiveness and there's restoration. Let's walk this out together. And that is a way we can be fervent in our, our love, our, our kind affection towards one another. You know personally that when you sin and you make an error, that the thought that you that the enemy quickly puts in your mind is, if they find out, if he, she, or they find out, they will dismiss you. They don't want to be around you. They won't want to talk to you. The phone calls will stop. It's all going to be over. The enemy loves to drum this into our heart and into our mind. But yet, really what should be found is an eagerness and a zeal and enthusiasm and a passion, a desire to outdo one another, to love people, not just to greet them with a warm smile, but to help them when they're down on their, their knees and broken, to come along and to help them with each other. Now, I love the next phrase here. So we're to be enthusiastic, right? In verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent, on fire, enthusiastic, and there it is, serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. How do you serve the Lord? He's in heaven. Well, you can serve the Lord by being enthusiastic in your passion to love one another. If, if the Lord were to be here bodily, because he is here, in our presence. He walks among the lampstand. But if the Lord was to be here, if he was to walk through the door and he was to have some need, if he wanted a coffee or if he wanted something, I think there would be a big time competition to outdo one another, don't you think? Well, I'll get that for you. You know, I'll get that for you. You know, I mean, there would be, it's like the Lord is in our midst. I know some of you ladies, you love to cook. You love to have people over your house. Maybe some of you men, too. And it's just what you do. That's how you like to love people. And you read about Martha and how she used to make the meals and serve. And you're like, man, I wish I could have been Martha for the Lord. That's just what you would have loved to have done. Well, this is it. When we do this with each other, we are serving the Lord. I want you to think about that. If to physically minister to the body of the Lord is not possible. I'm talking about his body. That is not possible because he has ascended to heaven. However, he looks at the way in which we love each other as us loving and serving him. So we give a cup of cold water. Well, when did I give you a cup of cold water? When you did it to the least of these. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting what? Me. 
He was persecuting the body of Christ. And Jesus makes that association that what happens to the body of Christ, church, is what happens to him. Why are you persecuting me? But on the flip side, the positive side, if we love each other, we are loving the Lord himself and serving him. And there's your motivation. It doesn't get any higher than that right there. The idea of serving the Lord, to conduct yourself in the total service of another. That's what serving means. The, I am fully engaged in this, and this is how we should be serving the Lord. It's kind of fun to think of it, isn't it? It's exciting to think of it. Now, maybe some of you, you've been faithfully serving for some time, and there are some annoyances, and there are some troubles that are kind of, you, you feel them, and it's kind of beating you back a little bit from your service. I, I'll tell you how to deal with it. Just wipe the slate clean and think of serving Jesus. Just think of Jesus as you serve that brother or that sister or that little one or that old one. Just think, I am serving the Lord. And that will have a profound impact on your heart and on your mind. Move down to verse 13 with me. Distributing to the needs of the saints. The word distributing here is the very first word we talked about, koinonia. Distributing is koinonia. It's, it's what's also translated as fellowship, but we define fellowship as what? Sharing. So distributing to the needs of the saints. I will take what is mine and I will give it to the one that has the needs. That's the idea here. 1 John 3.17, whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So we should be such that we are, we're, we're giving and we're meeting the needs that arise. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel were told to have an open hand towards those that were needy in the land. Do you know what the problem is with having an open hand in front of people that are real needy? What's the problem with that? Some of you, the analytical kind of suspicious ones, what's the problem? If you have something in your hand and you're around needy people and it's open, what's the problem? They're going to take it away from you. Does anybody else ever think about that? Or you think about, you know, somebody asks you for something, and I, listen, the first thing I think is, do you really need it? Do you really need it? Are you, going to go, are you going to go drink with this money? Are you going to go smoke with this? What are you going to do with this money that you're wanting to get from me? And I, I, I have to deal with this. So, but, but what the Lord said to them is, I want you to have an open hand towards the people that are needy in your land. So when, the, when you have that open hand, people can come and they can take what, what they need. But if you have a closed hand, nobody will get from you what they need. Neither will you what? Receive from the Lord what he wants to put in your hand. So, listen, if you love, you're going to be taken advantage of. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. And if you doubt that, look to the cross, okay? And you will see that. But we are to distribute to the needs of those around us. We are to share. We are to have fellowship. You might want to read Acts 9, 1 through 41 about Dorcas um, in the, in the uh, New Testament. And what, how did she distribute to the needs of the saints? Well, she was really good at sowing. So she just sowed. I don't know how I can do this. I mean, this is, how do I love like this? I don't understand. Well, what are you good at? You good at working on cars? Are you, are you handy and can build things and can help? Do you, are you just the kind of person that's like, I can't build. You don't want me to work on your car. And you definitely don't want me to sew. But you know what? I'm a good ideas person and I can find people. That, then use that gift. 
as the Lord has given to you. And so we'll just kind of wrap it up here. Distributing to the needs of the saint, given to hospitality. Now, one more word study for, well, maybe two, given. This word is really interesting. This word given is also translated as persecute. So there's a little bit of energy in that word, isn't there? There's a little bit of activity. It's a word that would be used when a person was being pursued or persecuted. It means to run after. It means to pursue. One author said it means to hunt down. Wow. So we are to be given. We are to, to be, have that kind of pursuit mentality. Obviously, this is used in a positive uh, meaning you put the word in the context, and it doesn't mean persecute each other. It means pursue. It means to hunt down, to try and lay hands on somebody that you might be able to show hospitality. Hospitality simply means love of strangers. That's what it means, to love strangers. Uh, Gail Irwin, has anybody ever read any of Gail Irwin's books? I love his definition of, of hospitality, and he says, the ability to make somebody feel comfortable. I like that. But this is what we should do. We should be given. We should be on pursuit of one another. We should be trying to outdo each other, and we should be pursuing. We should be hunting down another person to show hospitality. We are to be, uh, meet the needs of the saints, but we are to be after those that are strangers. Now, maybe that's a, you know, is making a reference to people that are not saved, or maybe that's just making a reference to people you don't know very well. And I, one, one person did indicate somebody that is not your friend or your family. So you may have that, that stranger like that even in this room as you, you begin to have a, a group of people this size gathering together. And so, listen, when we started, there was, I think, about 10 or 12 people in, uh, at Calvary Chapel Lynchburg. And it was wonderful. It was a blessing. And when we wanted to go out after church, you know, a lot of you, I'm sure, go out after church together. You'll share a meal at a restaurant. When we went out to church, the whole church went out to the restaurant, okay? The church went from this building to that building. We taught our Bible study here, and we ate here. And there, it was special, and it was, it was fun. It was, it, was, it was deep. It was meaningful. We, we didn't know people. Um, and a lot of people had moved into the area. We did Christmases. We did birthdays. We did all of these events together. And then, of course, as you would hope, everybody begins to settle into the community. You get to know people. You begin to get involved with stuff. And so then the church has grown since then. And there's no way. There's no way uh, to do that at this point in time. So we, we've ha we're, we're having to work on this at Calvary Chapel Lynchburg because there are more people. But you guys are at a, just a perfect size to just really to, to kind of double down and hit it out of the park and say, you know what? Because the Lord is going to bless and you guys are going to grow. You are growing. That is going to happen. And so if you wait till you have grown to try and double down on this, it is so much more difficult. So just double down on it right now. Just say, you know what? I'm, I can do this. Well, I haven't been around here long enough. Well, how long do you have to be around to obey the word of God? Well, I'm not really, you know, a member here. Well, wait a minute. Are you saved? Then you have been baptized in the body of Christ, and we are one family. 
And just because you, know, you just started meeting in this building and you were meeting in that building does not have anything to do with the connectedness that we share in Christ. So you have per- do they have permission to love each other, Tim? Yeah, okay. okay they, so you, you heard it straight from the pastor's mouth. You have permission to love each other, to pursue each other. Have some fun with it with the person who wasn't there. What'd you teach on, what, what did that guy talk on from Lynchburg? He talked about persecuting. From Lynchburg? Sounds about right. Yeah, persecuting Lynchburg. Yeah, that sounds right. You know. Actually, the first time, we came into, <laughs> first time we came into Lynchburg, I was like, how did this town get this name? You know, it does not sound good. And so, um, you know, but listen, have fun with them. You know, what'd you talk about? Well, we talked about persecuting each other. Persecute, well, yeah, there's a meaning to the word, you know, there that means to hunt down, to pursue, to try and outdo one another. So some interesting words that Paul clearly stacks on top of each other to communicate the the zeal and the, the, the fervency and the passion and the enthusiasm with which we are to go after one another. And so you can do this. This will be fun. You saw those home fellowships that were up there? Why don't you guys just blow up the home fellowships the next time? you go? Everybody show up to a home fellowship and create a crisis of fellowship <laughs> at those homes. And make it so that there's got to be more. You've got, you've got to make this a priority. I'm just curious. Is anybody busy? Just raise your hand if you're busy. What? I need to move to Richmond. You guys aren't busy? But. Like, I can't, even, I can't even catch up with myself. I'm so busy. But, you know, you just got to prioritize. And this is what the early church did. Is there any sense in this passage that would communicate to you that fellowship is an option? No. God's going to hold us accountable, I believe, for the way in which we have loved each other. So share life together, share Jesus together, and love one another.